Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wei and Kathy's show. I'm your host, Kathy Zhang. So tonight, it's a big night. Uh, we'll have, um, you know, give you some other updates on the two states' uh, primaries, which is, uh, you know, it's now the most watched races in this midterm election so far. And also give you an update on the um, FBI raid of President Trump's uh, Malago. And I will also share with you um, the last segment of my interview with Professor Victor Davis Hansen. Lots of good information. I'm sure you would, you know, get a lot of out of it. So without further ado, let's get into the primary first. So two states hold the primaries tonight, and that's Alaska and Wyoming. These are two, the, uh, two of the smallest states by population. However, they are having the most watched races in this year's primary elections. The poll just closed an hour ago. So what's the result so far? Let's take a look. Um, so first of all, Wyoming. We all know that uh, this race in Wyoming, the only congressional race, um, which is basically the race between the incumbent Liz Cheney and the other one is uh, Harriet Hageman, who is um, endorsed by President Trump. So what is the results right now? We'll just take a look. Um, we all know that uh, these two states are both Republican-heavy states. However, um, the primary just become very contentious for one of the reasons just told you about in Wyoming. And uh, in Alaska also, that's the Senate race. The Senate race that's between the, also one of the incumbent is um, uh, uh, Trump critics, Lisa Makowski. So what will be his, uh, her fate tonight? So the situation is a little bit, little bit different. So um, let's um, go into it. And um, so far, uh, Alaska has not, uh, I, I just uh, checked the results a minute ago. There's no data yet, but in Wyoming, uh, there already, you know, counting ballots and uh, having some results published. Let me just uh, refresh the page and uh, see. All right, so right now, the House Representative for this uh, Wyoming District 1, that's only one uh, district actually in Wyoming. So right now, Harriet Hageman she is uh, leading by almost 65%. Okay, she's got the 65% of the votes so far, and uh, Liz Cheney, 30%. And, uh, you know, far a third is uh, Anthony Bochard, 2.8. And uh, it's not surprising to a lot of people being, you know, who have been watching this uh, race because uh, according to the most recent poll by the University of Wyoming, um, 
the challenger, <coughs> the challenger Harriet Hageman, she's led by, according to the um, poll, it's uh, led Chani by nearly 30 points with her receiving 57% support versus uh, Chani's uh, 28%. And uh, think about that back in 2000. 20 and 2018, Chen Yu received 73.5% and 67.2% respectively in the Republican primary. So huge, huge change. And uh, we all know that Liz Cheney, she supported Trump in 2016 and later became uh, Trump's uh, harshest critics in GOP. And for this race, she raised $15 million, and a lot of uh, them is uh, out-of-state money. On the contrary, Harriet Hegeman, she's a natural resource lawyer and a legal consultant, and she founded the Wyoming Conser uh, Conservation Alliance. She actually was a former Trump critic. She did not support Trump in the 2016 race, but instead she backed uh, Ted Cruz. And you know, on top of that, Hegman used to be um, Ch uh, Chinese advisor in her 2014 Senate campaign. It failed. And then later on in 2016, she also endorsed Chinese uh, congressional campaign. In 2018, she ran for governor, but uh, uh, was not successful. And, uh, but in September 2021, former President Trump endorsed Hageman's uh, uh, race for you know, trying to replace Liz Cheney. So Hageman said that uh, she is challenging uh, Cheney because of Cheney's focus on the select committee to investigate the January 6th Capitol breach. In addition to former President Trump, she also received endorsement from over 100 Republican U.S. House members, and uh, she raised nearly $4.5 million for this primary, according to FEC report. Um, and comparing to that, Cheney has been endorsed by former President George W. Bush, uh, Senate, Senator Mitt Romney, and uh, Congressman Adam Kissinger. Uh, and uh, so she has been trying to uh, appeal to the Democrats, encouraging them to switch the party registration and vote for her, and uh, even invoking the late Democratic President John F. Kennedy in a fundraising email. So on her campaign page, campaign website page, um, with the voting information, she even has a section with instructions for how people can change their party so that they can vote for her. So a side note is that uh, in order for a voter register as a Republican, uh, they have to do it 14 days before the primary date so that uh, they could request an absentee ballot or on the day itself at the polling site, according to Wyoming's um, you know, voting 
um, regulation. So, and uh, it seems that, uh, you know, no matter it is, it could be her efforts, maybe not, there has been a swing in voter registration numbers since January in Wyoming. According to Wyoming public media, Democrats lost almost 7,000 voters, and Republicans gained more than 11,000. So it seems to be a good idea on the surface, right? Just uh, she's trying to appeal to a new source of uh, ballot uh, votes. However, it may not work out because there's simply not enough Democrats in Wyoming. In the 2020 presidential election, Trump won by nearly 70%, which had the widest margin for Trump than any other state. So, and we all know that uh, Cheney is the last of the 10 Republicans who voted to impeach Trump to face a primary challenge. Of those 10, four of them have decided to retire or not run for re-election. Three others have either lost to primary challengers or conceded the race. Only two of them had prevailed and will go to the general election in November. And one of them, who is California's David Valadao, he appeared to be one of the most endangered Republicans in the country because he's in a district President Biden won in 2020 by double digits. That means when the next Congress begins and if the trend for Liz Cheney's vote getting is keeps, you know, as it's going right now, it is possible that just one Republican Trump impe uh, impeacher, Washington's uh, then new house will likely be still be in the office if he wants the general election. So that's the Wyoming primary. And uh, let's uh, take a look again. Is anything changing right now um, over there? Let me see if I try to, okay. So is there, how's the uh, vote counting right now? Well, almost keep the same. Harriet Hageman is 64.6% uh, of the votes and Liz Cheney is getting 31% of the votes. All right, let's take a look at um, Alaska. So Alaska, in Alaska, Senator uh, Lisa Murkowski, she's one of the seven Senate Republicans who voted to impeach Trump, and uh, she's on the ballot today. But uh, Murkowski has a little bit um, a different uh, chance, probably, because um, uh, Alaska has an open primary system in which the top four vote-getters will advance to the general election in November. And uh, in Alaska, they institute ranked choice voting for general election. And uh, then, um, so that's for uh, Lisa Makowski. And Alaska is the largest state uh, by land. However, it is the uh, fourth smallest state by population. 
So it only has one seat in House of Representatives as well, just as the same as Wyoming. Uh, today, former vice presidential candidate and Governor Sarah Palin is among the three candidates trying to take the seat, which has been vacant since the longtime representative Dong Yang died in March. Palin was the top vote-getter in the June primary when they had uh, 48 people uh, running. So Alaska uses, uh, as explained before, use ranked choice voting in the general election. The top uh, vote-getter in today's race will serve out the remainder of Young's term. So today's um, primary will decide who will replace um, Yang's uh, position until next, uh, until the end of uh, this year, oh, which ends actually next, uh, end of next January. And then in the meanwhile, in November, all three candidates on the ballot today, uh, they will also race for the uh, general election in November. So let's take a look at uh, what's happening uh, in the poll for Alaska's primary. Is there any result coming out? Okay, nope. So, so far they, the, the vote counts as not, uh, I don't see that. Uh, if you see any, you know, maybe another website has the result, let me know. All right, so that's an update of the primary election go, uh, you know, for today. So next we'll update on the FBI, unprecedented FBI raid. The judge has set a hearing on unsealing the key FBI Mar-a-Lago search document. So that's the magistrate judge, Bruce Breinhardt. Today, he announced that uh, he will hold an in-person hearing on whether to unseal the search warrant affidavit for the Malago raid. Reinhardt was the judge who signed the warrant of the FBI's raid on former President Trump's uh, Florida residence. The hearing is set on this Thursday, on uh, August 18th, in West Palm Beach. The Justice Department is expected to argue against disclosure of the affidavit. Uh, on the other hand, Judicial Watch, the legal organization, and nearly a dozen news organizations are all requesting more information about this uh, unprecedented raid on the former president. The Department of Justice said yesterday, Monday, it opposes the release of the affidavit used to justify the August 8th raid, but added that it is willing to release less descriptive documents. The Department of Justice argues that, uh, quote, if disclosed, the affidavit would serve as a roadmap to the government's ongoing investigation, providing specific details about its direction and likely course in a manner that is highly likely to compromise future investigative steps. President Trump, uh, President Trump said in a statement late yesterday that uh, in the interest of 
transparency, I call for the immediate release of the completely unredacted affidavit pertaining to this horrible and shocking break-in. He also suggested the judge, meaning Reinhardt, on this case should recuse. So that's, um, you know, the, it is reported that uh, the FBI actually seized uh, President, uh, President Trump's uh, passports during the raid on August 8th. The agency, you know, unprecedentedly issued a statement today claiming that uh, they got the passport as a process, as a normal procedure for the raid, and they have returned the passports as item, quote, do not need to be retained for law enforcement purposes. Uh, as a side note, according to the law, in order to seize any U.S. citizen's passport, the law enforcement need to obtain a separate order from the court. So, yeah, that's just uh, for everybody to know. And um, so yeah, still the people are speculating what kind of investment, what kind of uh, criminal investment the DOJ is referring to when they approve, when you know the uh, Attorney General approved uh, this uh, warrant and affidavit. And uh, there's a saying, I saw some like uh, um, a former assistant uh, attorney general, um, Andrew McCarthy. He wrote an op-ed and uh, he said that um, he believes the raid is trying to, you know, get something related to January 6th. So, yeah, let's, you know, just wait and see on Thursday whether this um, warrant affidavit will be unsealed completely. All right, so, so the next, I will, let's continue my interview with Professor Victor Davis Hansen. Uh, this, this is the third segment and the last segment, but not the least. Professor Hansen focused on the threat to the United States uh, by both the leftist ideology and the Chinese Communist Party. So I asked him which one poses the most threat. So, you know, you wanted to uh, watch until the end. And in the previous episode, Victor Hansen dissected uh, the FBI raid. When asked why the FBI become, became so political, Professor Hansen explained that uh, he believes it's because of the top leaders in the agency align themselves with the left agenda. And he said, not only in the FBI, but also in the Pentagon and the CIA. So this segment starts with my question to Professor Hansen, asking him to elaborate on it. We could have the same discussion about the Pentagon. So this week, New York is right. The New Yorker magazine has an article on the generals that work for Trump. And Mark Milley is, comes out as a hero, and all of a sudden we find that he wrote a resignation letter. Of course, he, we don't know when he wrote it. He never turned it in. He never resigned. He's still the chair. So here is the current chair, chairman of the Joint Chiefs as a star of this show with his resignation letter blasting Trump 
but he never sent it. We don't even know when he wrote it. And then the article goes on praising all of these other generals that did what? They deliberately tried to disobey an, a presidential order and they resisted him. So you have the chairman of the Joint Chiefs who went so far as to say, I don't believe that Donald Trump is stable. He might do something preemptive. And of course, when Milley is saying this, the left is also saying that Trump is an isolationist, that he doesn't get at, he, he doesn't get involved overseas. He doesn't want to cause necessary conflicts. He doesn't want to deter our enemies. Well, Milley says, oh no, he, he's too dangerous. I diagnosed him. So I'm going to call the People's Liberation Army counterpart and warn him that if Donald Trump sends me an order and if I, Mark Milley, interpret that as possibly involving a war or nuclear weapons, I'm going to first warn the communist Chinese uh, that I'm not going to obey that order. Well, that's treason and disobedience. And yet he was praised all through the media for that. Now, what do the communist Chinese do? They think to themselves the following. These people are really crazy. <laughs> if I did that, if Chairman Xi, Xi called me, <laughs> if I thought he was going to hurt Taiwan, I would call my Taiwanese. I would be shot. Anybody would be shot. So when they look at that, they don't think, wow, that's such a wonderful country. They have all of these independent thinkers that are worried about us. No, they think the following. These people are nuts. They're crazy. They're weak. They're decadent. They're in decline. They're so scared of us that they even will disobey their own president. And therefore, in the future, if we want to bully Taiwan or talk, they won't do anything. And so that's 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 what how, that's the effects of these things. And that's just not the only thing he did. Remember, he did a lot of other things. He had a photo op with the president at every chairman, and he went out and apologized and said he shouldn't have done it. And he's a hero on the left because he disobeys and he attacks the former president. If you're in China and you say that a top Chinese, uh, if you say that Xi is a coward, is a Nazi, is uh, an architect of Auschwitz, if he's Hitler-like, you're going to be in big trouble. Our retired officers are praised for that. So when China looks at that, they don't say, wow, I really respect these free expression. They said, well, you know, the Americans, they just, they just don't want to, they're not like they used to be. They're not very fearful people. They're, um, we should have no problem with them. They're fighting with each other. They attack their own president. They freelance. Uh, we can get to any of these people. All, all they want to do is rotate into the corporate world. And we have so many joint ventures in Chinese companies. Lynn Cheney is the hero of the left. We find out that her, that her husband repeatedly is a lawyer whose firm is working with a Chinese joint venture. And it's everywhere, Chinese money. So it's they have very little respect for us. And it's just a question now when they make a foreign policy decision, it's not what we're going to do, it's what is in a cost benefit analysis in their interest. So when they look at Taiwan, they don't think, oh my God, 
if we were trying to take Taiwan, the Seventh Fleet would sink us. They probably think, well, let's see how much it would cost to take Taiwan versus blockading Taiwan versus embargoing Taiwan versus getting agents inside Taiwan versus buying off the Taiwanese government or, or the business community. And that's how they'll make their decision. But it won't be based on fear of a, a military response on the part of the United States. It's a very dangerous moment. And the Chinese know it right now. And so they're doing things that that are very dangerous. And whether they go into Taiwan, again, depends on, they're looking around the world now. They look at what happened in Afghanistan. They look at our generals. They look at social justice warriors, woke, in the, and they, they have determined that the United States military cannot stop them. Then they look at Russia and they think, well, Russia lost Kiev almost, but now they are deadlocked and the world said they were going to bankrupt Putin, but he's surviving the global sanctions and we are buying his oil and India is, and he's doing okay. So they say to themselves, well, if we want to take Taiwan, we could probably survive a global buyout. We have so many foreign leaders, uh, business leaders, commercial leaders, investors in Europe, the United States and Japan that we have in our pocket that they wouldn't enforce a boycott so we could we probably would be okay and so i think what they're going to do is they're going to slowly over this year and and next start to intercept ships and harass them that go to taiwan commercial ships uh flights make it very expensive uh they will probably tell countries that uh trade with taiwan that you know you're not going to be able to have joint ventures with us. They're probably going to harass uh, the Taiwanese military a lot more. And the point is they're going to squeeze Taiwan so that people say, you know what? I just, don't, if I'm a tourist, I don't want to go to Taiwan. I don't know what might happen. A Chinese missile might go over. Or if I'm a cruise ship, I don't want to dock in Taiwan. Or if I have a business, I do not want to partner with the Taiwanese. And then they'll probably tell Taiwanese you have a joint venture with us, you can have five of them. But, uh, and then people who don't, they'll say, you know what, you're an enemy of the Chinese people. So they have a lot of ways of doing things other than just invading Taiwan. And then when they feel they've weakened it successfully, then they'll probably invade, but that won't be until they have succeeded in bankrupting the country or isolating it completely. So Professor Hansen mentioned the Chinese money and uh, the Chinese Communist Party's uh, influence operations in the United States. What kind of threat does it bring? When you look at China and Russia and you're an American, Russia has 140 million people. China has 1.4 billion. Any empirical person would say there's 330,000 students here from communist China, there's none really from Russia. They have violated copyright patents, dumped product below the cost of production, manipulated. Russia doesn't have that influence. They would say the Chinese military is much greater and more deadly than the Russian military. Then they would say Russia's GDP is a fraction of China. China's got nine times the population, the same territory almost. So China is much more powerful and dangerous than Russia. 
And yet this country obsessed, obsessed over Russia, Russia collusion, Russia, Russia, this, and Russia really didn't collude in the election. Not that they wouldn't have if they thought it was in their interest, but they didn't. China does all sorts of things. It's got its tentacles everywhere. As I said before, I work at Stanford University. It was fine for not reporting $50 million in illicit Chinese contributions. We know that a member of the Chinese military was a visiting professor on the Stanford campus. So that's that's just every day. The question is, how does China deal with that and how do we deal with it? And the way that China does, it has a sophisticated propaganda because there's so many people from mainland China here and there's so much American investment in China and so much more, whether it's the NBA or the Hollywood. So if China says, I don't want dark-skinned actors in your movies that you produce in Hollywood, then they don't do it. Or if China says, hmm, these Americans are so woke, I'm going to say, don't treat us like you treat George Floyd. <laughs> That's what they said the other day. And you are racist, you are racist. We're not white people, you're racist. And so the left, sees China as, even though it's one of the most powerful, racist, segregated, oppressive societies in the world, mainland China, they say, you know what? There are certain elements of it that we're, we kind of like. We I, like the idea that maybe it went too far, but you know, in college I wore a red star Mao hat and uh, you know, one of Obama's uh, PR person said her hero was Ma Mao Zedong. Nobody says their hero is Stalin. They all say their hero is Mao. Mao killed twice, three times as many people as Stalin did. But there's a romance with communist China. There's a romance that Chinese are not white, so so to speak, in, in the left-wing mind. They look at Russia, and there's none of that. So they fixate on Russia, and the Chinese know that. And their propaganda is George post-George Floyd woke. So every time you want to criticize China, this huge juggernaut of oppressive government, they claim they're victim. Oh my God, you're racist. Oh my God, you're colonials. Oh my God, you're neo-colonials. Oh my God, you're imperialists. Oh my God, you're doing to us what you did to George Floyd. And it, it, it works. And they get shielded for the things they do. No NBA player says, I want to have a franchise in Russia. They all have franchises in China. And they t you tell them, well, the Chinese coaches beat their players. They discriminate on who plays by race. Uh, they're trying to take over your entire operation in China, and they will once they master. They don't care. And so that, that's what's so uh, scary about the mainland Chinese, the communists. Think about it. Nancy Pelosi's husband has investments in China. Diane Feinstein's chauffeur for 20 years was a Chinese spy. Diane Feinstein's late husband was worth a billion dollars. He had hundreds of million dollars of investments. Mike Bloomberg, one of the richest men in the world, he's got billions of dollars investments in China. Uh, Joe Biden's son flew on Air Force Two when he was vice president to deal do business. Joe Biden called his son, we know that, on a phone call and said, you have nothing to worry about when a Chinese actor was arrested and might have contaminated the Bidens in his skullduggery. So they have, they have their hooks into the highest levels of American politics and corporate people.
and it's very lucrative. I mean, Hunter Biden, as we speak, is renting a $20,000 a month Malibu beach house. Where do you get that money? He's a crackhead. He's a drug addict. He's unemployed. Where does he get that kind of money? Where did Joe Biden get three big homes? Where do these people, and, and the Chinese know that. And so we know what they do and they, they influence public opinion at the highest levels, especially uh, left-wing politicians. Right-wing corporate people they do, conservative, con of course, but they've had problems with Republican officials because they have a tradition of supporting Taiwan. And that's just a fact. And in the left-wing mind, Taiwan is a right-wing renegade state that broke away from Mao's cultural paradise. And then it had a bunch of right-wing dictators. And they're just an irritant. They're not worth it. They can get us into a war. And China is the future. But to the conservative, they're, 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 they gravitated, they evolved, they're a free state, they're a democratic society, they're worth defending. And that's the difference. So uh, which one poses the biggest threat to the United States, the leftist ideology or the Chinese Communist Party? As strong as Beijing is, it doesn't have the power to defeat the United States. It just doesn't have it. And it doesn't have it because in education, all of the major scientific research in the world is conducted by American and, and uh, European universities. They have good universities, but not yet anywhere near us. Their military for all of their side, it's not able to, if we go to help Taiwan, there'll be a big fight. If the Chinese Navy goes to into the Caribbean, it'll be blown out of the water. So they don't have the reach that we do. We have 6,500 nuclear weapons. They don't have that yet. Uh, we have a lot more oil and coal and natural gas than China does. We have uh, double the GDP. We have four times the per capita income. So we have all these advantages. But if we allow them to bribe or infiltrate our, our elites as they're doing, and we're so obsessed with race and all of these domestic left issues, then yeah, they're gonna be able to become the world's hegemon. The only person that can stop them are the United States. The only country that can stop them, it's not Europe, it's not Japan, it's the United States. The United States, if they, if they were strong domestically, and they got their financial house in order, they could get a, a they could get the Europeans, the Australians, the Japanese, the Taiwanese, the South Koreans, all of them. Jap they get them all together and they could they could stop Chinese expansionism. And but if if they don't, then countries like India or for example, or Indonesia, they look at China and they think, you know what, we don't like those guys, they're dangerous, but the Americans will get you into trouble. They'll talk tough, but they won't support you and they're losing. We better join the winners, which are the Chinese. So that's the danger. If you have four more years of a leftist government in the United States, I'm very worried. If Biden, I'm very worried about the next two years. 
we've we've destroyed the country almost. We have no energy. We're not using our energy. The, the streets are unsafe. Crime is out of control. Racial relations are the worst. The law is not being applied. You can walk into a major city and walk down the street and club somebody to death. And if you're a particular race or ideology, they're not going to do anything to you. It's just a fact. You can go into a pharmacy and walk out with $900 worth of stuff. They're not going to arrest you. That's never happened before. So that's what leftist ideology has done. It's kind so, of like Mao, Mao's cultural revolution. In mm -hmm. my understanding from you, maybe like, um, but the more immediate threat is the leftist ideology to the United States, but ultimately it is the threat yeah. from the CCP. Yeah, I think so. And um, the left in the United States is either not willing to or incapable of deterring China. They're just not going to do it. They either like China or they are afraid of China or they don't want to spend the time or money on it. But whatever the reason is, they will not deter China. They'll never do it. And so Miles, Miles said, uh, you know, because of what they've done in the Trump administration, the U.S.-China, some of the policies and strategy, they actually had to, they kind of, most of it being inherited by the current administration. What do you think? You mean the Trump policies are to China are still in effect by the Biden administration? Yeah. yeah. Well, they say they are, but I just have to look at what they've done. The first meeting they had with them was in Anchorage, Alaska in 2021. I think it was in March. And the Chinese just dressed down the American, Anthony Blinken and Jake Sullivan just said, we're not going to listen to you. Look at your country, your race, da, 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 da. and they just took it. And then they never talked this way about Taiwan during the Trump administration. I've never in my entire life had Chinese officials, heard a Chinese official say, we can take Taiwan anytime we want. And they're saying that constantly now. I've never heard that before. And so why are they, 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 they saying and doing that now? I don't know, but they, they don't seem to have any fear or respect for the United States. The only thing that's changed is the old uh, Bill Clinton, George Bush attitude that the more you appease China, the more you invest in China, the more you bring Chinese students to the United States, the more they get impressed with you and the more they'll like you and the more that their kids will come home and they'll have sneakers and listen to rap music and they'll change china nobody believes that anymore. the more that you have contact with them the more they hate you the more they have contempt for you the more they'll steal everything you have and they then they'll think you deserve it because you let them do it and that's just their attitude when they when they can steal from the west uh, medical research, computer research, and they get away with it, or when they have asymmetrical trade or they dump products or they manipulate their currency and they get away with it, they think, <laughs> these stupid people, mm -hmm. we would never allow them to do it. And they have contempt. So that's how they operate. That's how a communist mind works. Mm -hmm. and they're still run by a communist. All right. So that's uh, Professor Hansen's um, uh, last uh, segment of the interview I did with him uh, this time. So I see a lot of people are, you know, enjoying 
his uh, analysis. And the big news right now is that Liz Cheney conceded. He has been defeated by Harriet Hageman in today's uh, primary election. Um, just uh, maybe about uh, 20 minutes ago or so, uh, Liz Cheney announced that uh, she conceded to Hageman in a phone call today. And uh, uh, Cheney said tonight, Harriet Hageman has received the most votes in this primary. She won. I called her to concede the race. This primary election is over, but now the real work begins. That's what Liz Cheney said while conceding uh, to Hageman. So, well, you know, so that's uh, what do you think? I already saw, oh, yeah, uh, M. I uh, really appreciate your donation. Thank you for your support. And you also called on our other folks to give a like, and this is the minimum effort support you can do. Yes, please. Thank you. And um, oh, all right. So a lot of uh, comments coming in now. Um, JF, let's off to Jitmo. Bye bye. Okay, M said, yeah, real work. So what does she mean by that, right? So, um, and uh, Mark, you said, uh, hope heals. Glad you are soaking this great content. There will be a test later. Yeah, I also, you know, I think uh, on the conservative side, people who believe uh, we are facing the threats that Professor Hansen just uh, talked about, you know, it doesn't, you know, things still happening and the, the work, the real work is still there for everyone, right? Um, friendly one, looks like 10,000 Democrats voted for Liz. Mm, yeah, that's possible because, uh, yeah, I report to you previously the, uh, according to, since January, Right, according to the Wyoming Public Media, the survey shows that uh, 10,000 um, Republicans got 10,000 re-registered. So, yeah. And Legion uh, Trey, you said a uh, mega one. Uh, James uh, Ram Ramirez, you said that the only seat for this is the... Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, for um, Timataga, four who voted for Trump's impeachment are out. That's right. So right now only two stands in the primary will go into general election. And uh, in California, uh, the Central Valley representative, um, he, you know, Valadell, right? Yeah, he, he might won't win the general election, but possibly cannot hold a seat, it, it, there's a possibility. So either one or two out of 10 will possibly go into the next Congress. And uh, Rotten in Denmark, what we the people need to be talking about is the CCP. Yes, totally agree. And uh, just as uh, President Trump analyzed, 
and uh, on not President Trump, uh, uh, Professor Hansen just analyzed. So actually, I prepared more information, but uh, you know maybe to share with you last uh, next time is about uh, CCP, the Chinese money. Remember, um, President, uh, I always say that um, uh, Professor uh, Victor Hansen talked about the Chinese money, this Chinese uh, husband, and all the other politicians. So um, there are more. Uh, to talk about on that. We really have to talk about that. Uh, and uh, so it is the ultimate threat to the free world. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And uh, uh, Tima Tanga, you always continue to say for sure they are influencing to many countries. Yes. And that's their ultimate goal is to rule the world rule more and more countries, just as they how they rule mainland China, how they took over Hong Kong, and uh, trying to do the same thing to Taiwan, right? So definitely, we have to you know really make more people realize that to talk about that. And uh, recently, what happening? What's happening in Taiwan? I would also like to share more with you about that. I think. There's something we can learn from there. And more comments. Wow. Uh, David, he said, it's my favorite uh, held hostage reporter. <laughs> All right. Um, Kelly. You said that no one other rather hear report election results than Wayne Cathy. Thank you. It's our privilege. And Mark, you said that Cathy always poignant guests. Thank you both. We appreciate your support. All right. And the Hope Hills International Ministry. Great guests on today. Thank you. And Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer, you said, when Kathy, I missed your show. Glad you're back. Yes, glad to see you again, Jennifer. And yeah, M, again, thank you for your support. You said, I love you. My Texas claim love, we will win. So it looks like M's from Texas. All right. So, um, just to have a last look at uh, Alaska. I don't know if there's any updates in Alaska right now. Anything, any, oh, no, still, still no vote counting being published in Alaska. So, all right, um, I think uh, this, that's, it for to, uh, that's it for today. Really glad you spend the time with me and with our show. So, yeah. And uh, so keep on, you know, keep on, just uh, keep our hope, right? And uh, oh, Eric, you say we love Victor, Fresno State grad here. Wow, Eric, you're from Fresno. Wonderful. Yeah, I've uh, been there for quite a few times and uh, met with um, Professor Hansen there. So it's a great place, great, great place. And uh, let's go. You said Victor is the best. Wow. Yes. 
Timataga. Good show and the interview well done. Thank you. All right. So thank you. Keep safe. Um, take care. We'll see you tomorrow. All right. Bye-bye.